Are you passionate about your professional future but not sure what's next? The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business can take your education and career to the next level with its highly ranked Working Professional MBA. With flexibility to earn a degree entirely on campus, online, or a mix of both, an MBA from Ohio State is more accessible than ever. To get started, visit go.osu.edu WPMBA. The Ohio State University Max M. Fisher College of Business, where principled leaders are created. Are you ready to learn the business skills you need to accelerate your career? The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business is now offering its highly ranked working professional MBA entirely online. Whether you choose to attend on campus, online, or a mix of both, you're in control, balancing the demands on your busy schedule. Don't wait. Start your personalized MBA journey this fall. Visit go.osu.edu slash WPMBA to learn more and apply. The Ohio State University Max M. Fisher College of Business, where principled leaders are created. Welcome back to another episode of the Razzball Prospect Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Lifshitz. I am here, live, on set, in studio. Not really in studio. <laughs> we're, we're halfway across the country with Lance Brozdowski. What's going on, man? Hey, what's going on? Man? We're, we're a couple weeks away, or actually one week away, wow, from the end of the season. I gotta say, it's uh, it's, it's gone by really quick, and I thought it would drag a little, and now I'm just getting really excited for the playoffs. Um, yeah. And now I'm getting hyped. I don't know. Postseason baseball is fun, even if it's not minor league baseball. I, I still get hyped up for, for the major leagues, obviously. And uh, of course, yeah, nothing much, Ralph. How have you been, man? Good. Excited for next year already? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I am, I am very excited at this point for uh, next year. That's kind of where my head's at. You know, like I, I want the season to be over. My last, my home league, uh, my only like head-to-head league is a, is a home league points league, and I lost in the final tonight. I had three bad starts out of five mm. and uh, I think we're going to end up losing by like 12 points. So it was close too. So, but anyway, so I lost that one. I'm still in the driver's seat in the uh, RCL uh, Pertz league. So take down gray there. Nice. It was up by five, five and a half points the last time I looked. Um, and there's still, yeah, there's not really too many points that I can get either. So I think I'm good there. Um, we got a little bit over a week to go be nice to take that title down after losing to him last year and coming in second. Um, and I've, re- I've led pretty much wire to wire in that league. So that's good. You have. Yeah. I got a, I got a team couple other ones. Extremely mediocre in that league for all season. So, <laughs> and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I can finish big, uh, in TGFBI over the next couple of weeks and crack the top 10. I'm like off by a few points, uh, across a bunch of categories in my league that I, 
I've had a guy that's been like in first to fifth all season, number one. I think I'm in like 13th, 15th, 16th, usually somewhere around there. It's been pretty stable for the last like three weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have another guy in second that I've been like on his heels. Like as of like a certain point last night, it was only down by like a point. And if I can grab like three or four cat, there's like still seven or eight points I can grab in the last week or two, like small margins. So if if I my team goes off, there's a re and other guys have like injuries started to get sat and skipped. There's a really good chance that I could I could jump into the top ten. So that'd be a nice little notch in my belt. But it's been a good fantasy season. It would have been nicer if I could take down this league. I go, but I actually after the show would have driven over to my my neighbor's house that I play with and gotten the trophy and then like, uh, yeah. And then, cause I couldn't keep the trophy at my house. I had it planned out. I was going to go to work with the trophy uh-huh. and, uh, in a very North shore, Massachusetts type move, I had promised my coworkers that if I took down the championship and the, uh, $750 that comes along with it, that the, hey. uh, that the roast beef sandwiches would be on me. <laughs> That's great. That is fantastic. I feel like I think I did that. So I'm but it didn't f- happen. Too loud. Oh, <laughs> so sorry. Sorry, uh, North Shore people who won't get the roast beef sandwiches. But uh, I, I, I feel like... They pay for their own. <laughs> you're still going to go. It's just not going to be compensated by you. But I, I think that's always a nice gesture. I, I'm in two NFBC leagues and I'm uh, teetering on cashing in both. And I, I'm definitely going to go out for dinner or something with some buddies up here in Chicago if I if I could cash because those are really nice payouts for second place a couple hundred bucks so I'd be really happy with that um but uh but enough of the fantasy Ralph we got to get back to the fantasy prospects what everyone cares about who everyone is here for um we have an interesting show today transition yeah thank you thank you (laughs) um we have a bit of an interesting show we're gonna kind of go through number one because we had um Eshelman on last week obviously so we didn't really get to do any any recapping of minor league championships, we're going to do those really quickly, and then we're also going to do a little couple call-ups that happened, even though there was nothing really too huge. And then the two main segments of today's show are going to be uh, a nice article that I like from Jim Callis and MLB Pipeline regarding who will be the top 10 prospects in a year's time. So if you're looking towards September 2019, who will be the top 10 prospects? We're going to go through that on my list. We're going to go through Callis's list, and then Ralph's going to go through his list, and we'll kind of toss around some ideas there. I think that'll be a fun exercise to do. Um, and then... We're also going to look at um, the Lidom, obviously Liga of the Dominican Republic. The Dominican Winter League draft happened um, in the interim time between our two weeks ago podcast and the Eshelman podcast and now. So we're going to go through that in probably just the first two rounds there, look at some of the international guys drafted. The first round is full of guys that are probably owned in most prospect leagues. So I think it's relevant. I think it's interesting on how teams valued some of these guys. So that's the rundown for the show. Let's get it going with... News, notes, and call-ups, mainly just call-ups here, actually. Uh, I'm going to go through six of them really quick, and then we'll kind of chop through maybe individual ones that we found more interesting than others. The first is that Austin Meadows is coming up for the Rays, obviously one of the bigger pieces included within the Chris Archer trade coming to the Rays from the Pirates there. Um, And obviously Shane Babs was the extra piece tossed into that that kind of everyone freaked out about. But we're going to get a look at Austin Meadows. I know a lot of people getting eyes on Shane Babs. Um, but Meadows is coming up Thursday for the Rays from a report I saw along with a couple other people. I'm not really sure what that playing time situation is going to be. I know the Rays have a lot of depth in a lot of places, especially in the middle infield there with Wendell and uh, Wander. Uh, I almost said Wander Franco. Who am I thinking of? <laughs> Willie Adamas. <laughs> Willie Adamas is up there. Wander's not there yet. And then, no. uh, <laughs> But they got a lot of depth, so we'll see what Meadows gets playing time on. I remember uh, a stretch with him last year, or actually earlier this season, Ralph. Didn't he play pretty well for the Pirates? He was killing it. Yeah, when he bit. was first called up, he just he went – 
bonkers for yeah, like right? two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see if he can replicate that. I feel like the Rays, especially with guys like Tommy Pham too, just seem to have a bit of resurgence behind so many guys. Miles Straw called up, Justin Sheffield, Anthony Alford called back up at the Blue Jays, Juan Lopez and Victor Robles, some quick ones there. Um, pass it back to you, Ralph. Which of these are you kind of most interested to see? Maybe not even from a fantasy fantasy's perspective, but simply just a perspective of looking forward and looking what these guys can do at the major league level. Yeah, I think, you know, in 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 that regard, it's definitely just a Sheffield. Mm-hmm. That's probably the guy that I'm most interested in. And, and, and I think a lot of it, too, is I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on what a hitter is, what type of a player he is, what kind of contact he makes, what his approach is like, just based on watching these guys on, on film, seeing them in person, and then obviously kind of looking back and, and cross-referencing all that information that you take in. Um, with the statistics and, and, you know, honestly what they've done for stretches, et cetera, et cetera, what their splits are like and kind of getting a good idea. So I feel like I have a good grasp when a hitter comes up, what he's going to be like and what eventually he can develop into. What I don't have a good grasp of is a lot of the advanced measurables. Cause I think, feel like we also know when guys hit the ball hard, mm-hmm. like you can kind of see it. Like that guy's going to have a high exit velocity. Like it's easy to see with pitchers. There's a lot of things like spin rate and some of those things that you don't necessarily know. I also feel like there's times they're also better at identifying what a guy throws consistently Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to having somebody that's, you know, sitting next to me in, you know, the, the behind home plate, you know, 15 rows behind home plate, looking at what's getting thrown and sort of guessing based on what the velocity is. So the, the pitch tracking is a lot better. Um, obviously all that analytical data in terms of, um, measurements of spin rate and, and just a million other things. I, I really like it when pitchers get called up because there's a lot more statistical data to sort of dig through and get a better Agreed. understanding of this arsenal, these things, these skills, these pitches that we've seen pitchers throw in the minors, maybe for two, three, four years. Some of these guys, if we followed them in college, I mean, we may have seen them more close to five years by the time they're called up to the major leagues. And, and, you know, we still don't necessarily have the best grasp of everything, right? We can't look back and say, okay, he, he throws this many, you know, splitters against this guy and he throws sliders against the righty. And, and it's just all those sort of things that you can kind of pick up by digging through the information, which is why when it comes to stats, I'm much more into pitching statistics than I am into hitting statistics because I don't feel like I have to dig as deep to understand the story with hitters. So maybe it's just Fair. an overall thing. Um, so we're kind of coming full circle here, but ultimately I, I kind of getting back to it. I guess I'm getting off track, but with justice Sheffield, I want to see what he's throwing. I want to see what the measurables are. You know, it was like when Kopech first came up and we saw the yeah. spin rate on the we fastball and you're like, yep. okay, this is something that identifies something that we kind of had a, an inclination was, was the case. Now we have a measurable behind it. Now we can say, all right, this is what he can, what he can do. And we have an understanding of, you know, and maybe they do as well of maybe their skills and the strengths and things that they can maybe do and tweak within their repertoire approach and sequencing that might yield better results. So I just find all the pitchers on this list to be, you know, really, really interesting. Even like Yoan Lopez, who I know we talked about off show, who is kind of this guy who signed for a bunch of money, signed for a big bonus out of Cuba. He's 25. He was a starter. I think his biggest claim to fame was hitting Dan B. Swanson in the face 
in advance uh, spring or something after he signed um, by accident. And then Dansby, I think, was out. Um, he's really sort of remade himself as a power reliever. Really good numbers across double uh, A this year. And the slider is nasty. He's got some giddy up on the fastball. He's a guy that I feel like for next season could certainly be in the mix for some big innings for the Diamondbacks who could potentially be like a future closer. You know, he's got that kind of stuff. And they have the thing that's nice about him is because he was uh, one of those Cuban guys, he's, I believe, locked into his salary as well. So that gives him an outside shot. And he's also on the 40 man to be a closer potentially in the future in a bullpen in, in Arizona that would be on Boxberger and they like keeping Archie in that, in that swing role. There's an opportunity there potentially for Lopez because it's not going to cost them hard dollars. I find that very interesting. And I, and circling back a little bit to what you're saying about the data on pitchers. Yeah, I agree with you because mm. I think, and the, honestly, the way I look at it and one of the reasons I'm always jealous of anyone who works upper level of a minor league team is simply that they have this information. <laughs> so someone yeah, on the White the Sox part, yeah. knew that Michael Kopech's spin rate was this high, and it's just they do a very good job either keeping it quiet or keeping it in the hands of people who don't really have the incentive to maybe publicize it to the general population and get people to understand that it's in the 98th percentile of baseball, of all of baseball and his fastball. And it's just, I, I like stuff like that. It's good to provide a statistical baseline for something that we observe for like an aesthetic thing that we see. Like seeing Vlad Guerrero's bat speed is great and it, it's mesmerizing, but we kind of can't say it's in X percentile or it's at this range That's or, true. you know, and I think that it's important to say that because it's important to communicate to people who maybe don't fully believe scouting perspectives or fully believe how good someone really is as a prospect because they think that prospects have such embedded risk to give them a hard statistic on something like this. And I think it's important. I think it's important for communication purposes. And I, that's, I mean, again, that's one of the reasons why I think it's really important to watch these cops. Um, the one that I, I think stood out the most to me and it was purely because of one swing was Victor Robles because he had a home run in Miami the other day that I went about 430 feet to left center. Um, absolute bomb i knew he had some hidden power i know everyone kind of talked about that for a while he was had a really freaky elbow injury this year i remember really early on that held him out for most of the season obviously no incentive for the nationals out of the race to pull him back and kind of force him into the lineup now but he's getting a little bit of he's getting some playing time now he's getting some reps i haven't looked at his barrel data i haven't looked at his exit velocity i could probably do that in a sec here and kind of give some perspective on it but just this one swing from him showed me that i i was that he's good, that he has a little more pop, I think, than I thought. I think I was always on the side of not projecting it out as much. Not, I'm not sure if that was ever a bad path thing or a, just a size, pure body thing, because he's a little bit smaller of a center fielder who I know was kind of speed and hit. But people were projecting out power. I just never kind of agreed, and then I saw this home run. And I'm not trying to say one home run swayed me, but it makes you think a little bit that if he could hit this ball how he did in Miami, that I wouldn't be shocked if he runs into 15 to 20 with, you know, a 50 stolen base season at times. And for fantasy birds, that's that's unbelievably <laughs> valuable. So um, of those five, I'd say I like Sheffield as well. I think it's a good one. But I think that the one that may be interesting me most just because of the results so far has been Victor Robles. And, of course, we haven't seen Sheffield pitch yet. So maybe he comes up and spins some unbelievable sliders. That sequencing is really good between that and his fastball. Everyone likes the break on it, likes the tunneling off those pitches. And next thing you know, we could be looking at it, then one of the better Yankee starters. Um, but uh, any other thoughts on call-ups, Ralph? Yeah, I mean, uh, Robles is a guy that I think is super interesting, too. Um, you know, I own him in a few places. I actually traded for him in one spot where I'm 
kind of on the cusp and I'm rebuilding and I was able to move some some vet bats with like a year left in their contract mm-hmm. for Robles. So, yeah, he's a guy I'm watching too. And, I, and if the Nats were able to bring back Bryce Harper and find a way to move Adam Eaton, it would be really cool to see Robles in center, Soto out and left, Harper out and right for three, four years. I oh, mean, yeah. maybe even more, obviously. Um, that would be a tremendous combination in the outfield. So I'm kind of interested to see that, like if it could potentially work long term. Uh, if they could re-sign Harper, obviously, is the big if there. But I think it seems more likely than it did like 12 months ago. I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. And I, the interesting thing I'm looking at some of Victor Robles' baseball savant data right now is that so he obviously I'm not sure actually what the stabilization point is for exit velocity, average exit velocity. His is a little bit low right now. He's in like the bottom 25th percentile. But the interesting thing is that he has a max exit velocity that's right around average, which is probably I'm guessing off that home run. So, and his, his barrels per batted ball isn't great either, but um, I'd like to confirm when those points stabilize and give you a better picture of the player before we start jumping to conclusions. But um, regardless of that, the fact that his max is right on average proves that, you know, he obviously has a little bit of pop that he showed on that one swing. And again, we're looking at an extremely small sample, 11 games, 29 plate appearances. He's got a homer batting 208. He's walking as much as he's striking out. So worst comes to worst, if he's a 340 OBP guy, the major league level next year with plus defense, plus base running, he stumbles into being probably a two and a half to three war player. And um, maybe it's not as valuable in fantasy if he's not stealing as many bases or hitting as many home runs. But for pure player value to the Nationals, I think the Robles could be yeah, 21 years old. I mean, and again, he's small, he's six foot 190 per fan graphs. Like he could be an impact guy pretty quick. And I think that that's really important for the Nationals to have is in the event you're saying if they don't sign Bryce Harper or something like that. So, uh, um, call-ups to look up for... I'm looking at maybe uh, Meadows, too, again. I, I'm going back to Meadows for a second here, just because that outfield is stacked in in Tampa. But I, I want to see more Meadows. I think that we just need to keep getting a bigger sample size. That was He was just so fascinating for such a long time, Ralph, because he didn't hit. He wasn't hitting in AAA. And he made all these adjustments. No one liked him dropping his hands. And then he comes up, and, no, and everyone still doesn't like him dropping his hands in Pittsburgh. And then he starts raking. And everyone's like, well, maybe we were wrong on that. You know, and that's where I kind of just swallowed my pride, too. I agree with everyone saying that they didn't really understand the hand drop, try to tap into more power. And when it produced, you kind of just have to shrug and go, well, you're wrong, you know, because he's producing. And at the end of the day, that's what you want. Maybe he made another adjustment within that that I didn't really notice. But um, regardless, I think that this is kind of an interesting crop of call-ups here. But uh, we do want to recap very briefly the minor league championships that happened. We didn't get a chance to do this with Eshelman coming on. I'm going to run through them quick. I don't really know if we have anything to say on this, Ralph, but maybe you could toss some light in um, and if you're surprised by anything. But uh, AAA championship goes to the Memphis Redbirds, Cardinals affiliate. Eastern League, where we used to peruse all the time, Ralph, me and you. New Hampshire Fisher Cats, I'd like to say we brought Woo! them some luck. But uh, that team, team. Was, yeah, that team was also just loaded, honestly, with Kevin Biggio Bichette for like Guerrero for majority of the year. Um, just mm. a ton of guys there that were really good. Um, Southern League, Jackson Generals, Arizona, double-A. Um, Texas League was Tulsa Drillers, uh, Dodgers, double-A. Sally League was Lexington Legends. I'd like to say I brought them some luck there when I went down to see Prado and Suli and Melendez and those guys. But that team, end of the year, that team, I think, rivaled the Winston-Salem Dash in terms of just how loaded they were with talent. They yeah. had Jackson Coar there. They had Chris Bubik. They had Suli. They had Melendez. They had Kyle Isbell. They had so many guys there. That's another team that if they didn't win it, you're almost like, how? You know? But uh, I'm happy to see them win it. Midwest League, Bowling Green, Hot Rods took down Peoria Chiefs. Uh, I was keeping an eye on that one, obviously, for Peoria. Florida State League, um, 
Fort Myers, I believe, right, Ralph? I played, uh, I think that's some of these yeah, southeastern. That's the Twins. That's the Twins, yep. We were with uh, Kirloff and, uh, and Royce Lewis and Bruce Starr and stuff. And then Cal Cali League, California. St- Rancher stuff Kukumama. is awesome, by the way. Yeah, He's absolutely. He's the best prospect of the bunch. <laughs> and stuff. Andrew, Andrew Stuff. Andrew Stuff. Oh, okay, okay. Forgot his first <laughs> name, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, in the Carolina League, uh, the Boozy Creek. Um, Astros played, I believe, a one game and then was canceled, obviously, with Hurricane Florence coming in. So um, I think that I don't really know if there's anything to point out with some of these teams. I just think that uh, if the team is loaded, as it is with the Fisher Cats or the Lexington Legends or even the Winston-Salem Dash, who who somehow didn't didn't make it into the finals here. But, uh, I mean, those teams produce. Those teams are fun to watch, honestly. And I like that they're spread out all through the country if anyone's in any of those various areas. There's good minor league baseball to be had. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any comments on this, Ralph? I'm not really sure if anything stood out to you or uh, any thoughts, final thoughts on the New Hampshire Fisher Cats or something or what? <laughs> um, no, I mean, a lot of these teams are the teams that we were following heavily. Um, That's a good point, yeah. Ran- Rancho had a lot of, like, interesting guys that do every year. I feel like, like Dodgers – prospects have their best years in the Cal league mm-hmm. in Rancho. It always seems like every year you can set clock to it. Uh, boys Creek was sort of the same thing. Um, they've, you know, they've had a bunch of prospects that have gone through there. Uh, Fort Myers obviously was a loaded team. Uh, Bowling green, uh, Ray's affiliate. They're yeah, a relatively Fidal loaded team. They've had a lot yeah. of guys come through, uh, Lexington legends. You've talked about how loaded they were. Um, Tulsa, another, another, uh, daughter's yeah. affiliate. You know, they just have a, a good crop of talent. You know, that team had uh, Kiebert Ruiz. And, and at one point, Kiebert Ruiz and Will Smith, who were like, you know, two of maybe the top yeah. five to ten, maybe five to six catching prospects in the game. Um, they had Gavin you know, Rooks, too, and a couple other guys. They, they yeah, a, a lot team. of arms. A lot of arms. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jackson Generals with Arizona. That team isn't as loaded, but I think there are some guys there. I believe that's uh, – uh, Duplantier is is on the team. Was Widener think, there too? Did he finish off it, there? Yeah, and and Widener. So yeah, got the so rotation. Good, there you go. Yeah, yeah rotation based. You know, and Var- and Vargas, who I think won the yep. deciding game, and then Memphis has been good all year. I mean, that Redbirds team is uh, just because oh the God, Cardinals yeah. always have. It seems like they have like a thirty man roster every year. They always <laughs> yeah. seem to have this rotation of guys that are coming up, and then the next crop of guys that are coming up. They've had starters, they've had hitters, they've had, you know, good fielders. It just, it, they have a good blend. And I know like guys like Randy Arizarena and, uh, who's the, um, uh, I'm, uh, Alex, is it Alex Mejia? The first base guy. Yeah. I believe it's Alex big Mejia. slugger type. Yep. He had a, he had a big series, I think too, actually, had, you might've gone five for five in the deciding game. So they had, uh, some big performances from some of those guys too. They're kind of on the cusp. So, um, mm-hmm. and I feel like of all the teams with supposed quad a types if there's one team you can't write off those quad a types with it's probably st louis we've seen this time and time and time (laughs) again so they seem to find a way to like squeeze you know some juice out of them continually so that's sort of my my thoughts going through all those uh quick teams yeah just a lot of talented organizations too is what you see i mean there i don't think there's anybody on here who's uh below the top 15 in terms of overall talent in their system it's a very good point yeah Twins, top one. Royals have gotten really good. I think, yep. you know, death-wise, top 15, one. absolutely. Uh, I guess Cardinals could be questionable, but Fringe, probably yeah. not. Um, mm-hmm. Toronto's right in the thick of it. Oh, yeah. Arizona's much much improved with a lot of guys they've added. Even in the draft, I thought they had a really good draft. Yep. Um, and uh, the Rays, we mentioned. Astros. The Rays. I mean, the Rays yeah. are pretty much the best in, in, baseball. in baseball. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of it's tied to that, too. So, 
Um, but the Rays are one of these teams. It seems like they must win championships every year. And I believe the team Memphis beat for the AAA championship was Durham, correct? I believe they did beat Durham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, again, the AAA affiliate of the Rays. <laughs> Rays are everywhere. <laughs> seems like yeah. those teams are always everywhere, as you're saying. Like, if you have a good talented organization in terms of depth of farm system, you end up at some point with one of your affiliates in a championship game, whether you win or lose. This is totally off topic, but I've been saying to the guys that work because I work with, you know, younger guys. Mm-hmm. I work with all guys. Now we all sit in the same room and uh, we talk sports a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, I keep saying, cause they were saying they were surprised. Cause I was saying for like weeks that the Rays are a good team. Cause the Rays oh, got yeah. the Red Sox like a month underrated. ago. Yeah. And I'm like, they're a good team. They could win another division if they were out of this division. And then, like, so the other day, somebody was like, they're only two games behind, like, the Indians or, like, it was some number like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're swept like, Texas legit. in Texas. They're a good team. They're a very legit team. And they have an entire crop of talent that is now coming up. We're going to see the Austin medals, but we're going to see Honeywell in the future. We will. We're going to see some of those arms come up. We're, gonna, we're also going to see guys like we got Franco. We got uh, – we got uh, – uh, Vidal Brujan, we have mm-hmm. all these talented, you know, Jesus Sanchez, guys that we're going to talk about maybe in a little bit. Mm-hmm. We have a ton of talent that's going to be coming up for the Rays in the next few years. And a lot of really young guys that haven't even scratched the surface of their potential yet there. That is the scariest team in the American League East for the next five years. Oh, it's, I, I don't that's it's close. a crazy thing to say. I think that the next five years from 2019 on, and maybe it should even push it back to like 2020. But 2019, 2020 to like 2025, that's the scariest team because they're they're going to have so much control of so many good players for like six years. They're going to have it's like gonna, waves too. Crazy. They're going to have yeah. waves of it. It's going to be like Honeywell and then you're going to get some Jesus Sanchez levels. He's already up in double A. Then you have guys buried in the lower levels. So it's going to be like you're going to get a couple guys up. Yeah, you're going to get it's, – it's insane. <laughs> It's insane what they're going to be able to produce continually. It's going to be, it's going to feel, and I don't mean to come back to the Cardinals here, but it's going to feel like that. It's going to feel like they keep just producing guys. But the problem is like with the Cubs. Yeah. I mean, they have the opportunity to be <laughs> yeah. that good because they have some transcendent talents that they're going to be calling up in the next couple of years, you know? Mm-hmm. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. At JCPenney's Memorial Day Sale, sizzling deals are on with storewide doorbusters all weekend. Or bring home savings up to 50% during our Memorial Day home sale. Save even more with your coupon. And for all former and active military personnel, enjoy an extra 10% off in-store. Just show a valid military or VA ID at checkout. Shopping is back. JCPenney. Coupon valid on select styles through 530. Some exclusions apply. Doorbusters valid 526 through 530 and excluded from coupons. See store or jcp.com for details. I'm, I'm and we already talked about like Nathaniel Lowe and and like all those guys. There's and they're getting so many production prospects. out of like Joey Wendell and old Billy Bean guy who was on the Indians for a while too. He's producing. It's like they're I, building it's value insane. for those it's guys insane. as trade chips. Even yeah. better, major league ready talent. Here you go. Restock yep. the farm. Bring in a couple of guys that we like in the lower levels that we can develop. You know, I mean, we're getting off topic here, but maybe this is a nice segue. It is segue, a good segue. Segue into the top 10 
a year from now. So we're yes. talking about end of 2019. These guys aren't past their limits. This is the group that we foresee being the top 10 for 2020 entering the season. These are the guys. Yes. So so I'll kind of go through some things here because I, this was an article done by Jim Callis, obviously, on MLB Pipeline. Really nice guy. Um, and I found it interesting. So I'll go through his quickly. And then I'm going to toss in some other qualifiers and I'll go through mine. So his is 1 through 10. Royce Lewis, Joe Adele, Alex Kirloff, Forrest Whitley, Mackenzie Gore is 1 through 5. 6 is Wanda Franco. Taylor Trammell, uh, Sixto Sanchez, Casey Mize, and Dylan Cease. The thing that stands out to me here, Ralph, is that it's five pitchers mixed into the top ten. And I kind of understand it because I think that each of these guys could become a frontline two, two, one-two starter. And I think that there is a gap between some of these guys and some of the other guys. And, and that is big separation. I think that even with risk embedded in arms, if you're able to tell me that there's a, a better than not chance that this guy becomes a, a two or a one in a rotation and a, and a first team rotation, like that is extremely valuable. And I get we're going to the bullpenning side of everything, but even look at a team like the Rays, like we're going back to the Rays here quickly with their bullpenning. What did they have with nested within this whole bullpenning scheme is an ace in Blake Snell. You know, and I, I think that that is how you become the most successful with the bullpenning scheme is to have it so that you don't have to bullpen every single day. And then you could have a day that you have a guy who consistently goes seven innings or something like that with Snell. And I think that what happens, what's going to happen in a lot of the top tier pitching talent is make it more valuable. So I don't mind the fact that Callis has five pitchers in here. I think obviously from a fantasy perspective, it's much harder to rationalize that. And maybe you'll get into a little more that a little more with your yours, Ralph, when we when we go through your top 10. But that's Callis's right there again. Lewis, Adele, Kirloff, Whitley, Gore, one through five. And then Wanda Franco, Trammell, Sixto Sanchez, Casey Mize, and Dylan Cease. That's six through ten. Now, the one thing I want to point out is that we have to assume some graduations here. So that is something that I think comes into play. So I picked out some names that I think you have to consider graduating. I think that we probably both agree on these. There are two guys that I'm not 100% sure on. Um, that I maybe snuck one of them into my top 10 because I think that maybe it doesn't graduate at this time next year, but I guess we could see on that. But So the graduations, obviously Vlad, Eloy, Nick Senzel, Victor Robles, Kyle Tucker, Michael Kopech, Soroka, Mejia, Urias, Verdugo, and Luzardo are the guys that I came up with that I think graduate. Kopech, obviously a weird one. I don't think he busted his um, uh, innings cap yet. And his UCL is gone, so he's not going to be able. He's like a weird Alex Reyes situation where, like, he's kind of – we saw him. He's still technically a prospect because he has prospect eligibility and rookie eligibility. But because he's UCL down, he's still going to be a prospect in, like, 2020, which is almost like cheating to some extent. So if you get, like, future odds on, like, 2020 Rookie of the Year, I think it's a pretty good bet to go with Michael Kopech there. But uh, so Kopech, question mark. I left him out of mine. If you make me include him, he goes into my top 10. So I'm, I'm going to say that. And then the other one that I, I wasn't 100% sure on. I did sure include on. him, that's why. Okay, so I'll include him then too. I'll include him then too. I'll put I him in I can take mind. him out if you want. We'll play with him because he's in my top 10 if he's there too. Um, the other one that I wasn't 100% sure on that it seems like Cal's graduated was, was Fernando Tatis. Um, this is an interesting one because he obviously went down with an injury this year. I think that... I, I don't have 100% of a read on what the Padres do developmentally with him come 2019, where they like start him in San Antonio, where they bump him to El Paso. But I, in the back of my mind, I have a feeling that late next year we'll see a little bit of him, but I still think he'll be prospect eligible around this time. So maybe I'm kind of massaging it too much. But when you go to my list, and the reason I'm mentioning Tots is because he's my number one. So if he's still eligible in 2019 of September, he's my number one, is what is my belief that he will be number one. So I have Tatis one if he doesn't graduate. 
and I guess if you say he does graduate, then my number two slots in there. So that's Royce Lewis. So I have Royce Lewis two, Wanda Franco three, Mackenzie Gore four, Joe Adele five. I have Luis Robert or Robert. I always say Robert. Damn it, Lou Bob. I'm calling him Lou Bob. I gotta get on this, Ralph. Lou Bob six. I have Bo Bichette seven. I have Kristen Pache eight. Sixto Sanchez nine. And then I was really torn on ten. If you want me to slot in Kopech, I'd probably slot in Kopech in front of Lou Bob. So I'll put Kopech six. And actually, I'd probably flip Kopech and Gore. So I'll go Kopech four, then Adele, then Gore six. It will probably be mine. And then that'll get me to 10. So I'll go through mine one more time very quickly. Fernando Tatis, Royce Lewis, Juan Franco. I'll go Kopech, then I'll go Adele, then I'll go Mackenzie Gore, Lou Bob, Bichette, Pache, Sixto. And I kind of went a little bold on two here. I went with two outfielders that... I think I'm not saying are my top 10 prospects right now, but I think can make strides that make it very easy to squint and see top 10 prospect value and see people ranking them as such. And that's with Lou Bob possibly getting more reps, getting a little bit better, obviously with what he's seeing in his adjustments, but he's explosive all around. And then Christian Bechet is another one that I think can make even more adjustment and get to the point where on a non-fantasy list, and I'm, v- I'm very specifically qualifying that because I know there's some division between where I value him real life and where I value him for fantasy. I'm not as high on him in fantasy. I'm, I'm very high on him on real life because I think that you play up with the speed. You play up with that uh, the fielding ability. You end up being a guy who is a better baseline hit than if you look at a guy like Harrison Bader right now. He's already a three-war guy. I could see Pache being like a three-and-a-half, four-war guy perennially. And that's extremely valuable. I think, in my opinion, that's a top 10 prospect. And then really close for me, Ralph, as I, before I kick it back to you, right on the fringes, I was obviously Forrest Whitley's right there for me. I held him out mainly because I didn't want more than three pitchers kind of in there, and I'll take six though right now over him. Just a hunch. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure where I stand on Whitley. I, I don't like all the injuries that he's gone through. I think he's had a little bit weirder ones than a guy like Mackenzie Gore, who have all had him kind of centralized to his hand. Um, as opposed to Whitley, where it seems to be all the core. Core muscles I'm a little more concerned about than hand. So it's just a personal thing, I guess. Brendan McKay, I think you could squint a little bit and see two-way value playing up if he improves in either side or both sides well enough. Kesson Huria is another one. I think that the hit tool could get to a point where we're look- if we're looking at a guy like Kirloff right in there. Um, oh, Kirloff's a guy I forgot in my top 10. He probably has to be in my top 10, Ralph. I'm out of justice again. Kirloff, uh, Huria, <laughs> Carter Keboom, Honeywell, and Nick Madrigal are kind of guys that are on the peripheral. So... Give me yours. Let me see if you could convince me of, of me putting Kirloff in there and switching people out. Because I, I probably would, now that I realize I forgot Kirloff, I would probably put him above Lubob and Pache. So uh, more adjustment, Ralph. This is really tough to do, but I think it's a fun exercise. Where do you land on it? Yeah, and I guess, I guess it really comes down to a couple of guys, too. And when do you think they're going to be called up? Yeah. yeah. One is being uh, Tatis. And another one is um, Carter Kaibu, who mm-hmm. I'm not too sure. So I left both of those guys off of my list. If okay. I did include them, um, Tatis would be my number one. And Carter Kaibu would have slotted in um, probably around nine or ten. Okay. <clears throat> so I actually would have made a list of 20 if that was the case. Okay. Just because I was that person that always did extra credit. I'm kind of a nerd. <laughs> so, um, my number one next year, um, I believe is Wanda Franco. Uh, okay. I like that, it. that's, that's where I'm going. I, I, I know I'm going to take crap for this. And for some reason, because I put out a list, like after he played four freaking games and ranked him <laughs> yeah. 82, I'm now low on him, even though he had played four freaking games and he was 82. I think it says a lot. Um, uh, anyway, but before I go off on a tangent, I think it's, I think it's Franco. Cause at this point, Franco, at this point, Franco is by far the most exciting prospect, not named Vladimir Guerrero jr. To follow 
in the minor leagues at the moment. He's the hottest guy. He's got the most helium. And he looks like he could potentially project out to be elite-level MVP-type talent if he reaches the ceiling. So I've come to appreciate guys like that, that I even think there's a case to be made a year from now if Tatis isn't in the major leagues that Franco probably passed him in terms of prospect status. It'd be close. I mean, it depends on if Franco sticks it short. I think that, you know, if we're talking not fantasy, we're talking real life list. Cause I think comparing to Cowis, let's do apples to apples, right? Um, Tatis adds that extra value because of how strong he is in the field uh, and all the things he does defensively that, you know, I think that, that, that makes up the difference. Obviously Franco was so far off and this is, this is yeah, heady, years old, yeah. heady company to begin with, but I just think that you need to be aggressive in a guy like this because he's that good. So he's my number one. Joe Adele is my number two. Uh, I just like the power speed uh, a little bit better than Royce Lewis, who is my number three, who I feel like offensively is just dulled down a little bit from uh, Adele. But there is a good chance that he could be he could actually be a, a better offensive player than Adele. If, you know, floor is probably a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly defensively, he adds more value, especially if he sticks at shortstop, which I, I think all of us on prospects live do believe he will. Mm-hmm. Um, number four is his teammate, Alex Kirilov. I did not forget Alex Kirilov. Yeah, um, I, <laughs> I love the hit tool. I love the hit tool of the power. I just love the overall profile. Yeah. I think on a list like this, he gets knocked down a little bit when I'm looking at Adele, who can be a pretty dynamic outfielder. Franco who plays in the middle of the, of the infield Lewis who plays in the middle of the infield. It's not a hit thing with him. He's a great hitter. I would actually say bat wise, He's probably two behind Franco, right? I would I mean, agree. Yeah. In terms of the pure hit tool oh, absolutely. with power, what it projects out to. We take the speed. We take everything out. We just look at what he does in the batter's yep. box. It's, it's him and Franco, yep, right? Because Adele, Adele still has that swing and miss. Yep. He struggled a little bit at double A, but I, I, I don't want to hold that. in double A. I, 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 that was where I was going with yeah. this. Is I don't want to <laughs> hold it again. So obviously I'm not. Um, and I feel like he'll ha- actually have a leg up on you know, the fact that he'll start in double A, yep. have already had that adjustment period have an old, entire off-season to work on things, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll keep going. Number five, Taylor Trammell. Uh, he's already close to my top ten, but I just there's a few guys that have have passed him, and you know, one being Kirilov, um, another being Adele, another being Franco. Um, and that's even for now. Uh, Jesus Sanchez is my number six. I like the hit tool. He's Ooh, walking okay. a little bit more at double-A. I think, I think that the adjustment is coming here. Um, okay. I think he he realized he had to be a little bit more uh, patient in terms of at bats and wait for his pitch, and he's still very young. I think we forget how young Sanchez is. I love the hit tool. The Rays are going to take it slow with this guy. It's going to be a slow burn. I think he probably spends all of next season at Double A. Maybe gets uh, if uh, Durham makes another run in the playoffs, if they seem to every year. Maybe he gets a, cu- a cup <laughs> of coffee with Triple A, right? Yep. Um, number seven, Sixto Sanchez. I love Sixto. I think he's going to come back strong. We're talking real life value. Um, Sixto to me is the best potential ceiling from any of these arms. They're going to be here. I don't think Forrest Whitley will be. I think Forrest Whitley after the fall league will see, uh, a, a decent amount of innings, depending upon the health of that rotation, Charlie Morton. I think there's a, there's a pathway for, uh, for Whitley to surpass 50 innings next season. So I'm okay. going to jump off of that. Um, next guy I have on here is, uh, Michael Kopech. I cheated a little bit. I, He's yeah, not going to pitch fine. enough next season. He's not going to pitch enough next season. Even if he comes back in September, he's not going to have enough innings. I mean, it's just not going to happen. They're not going to take it, take him that deep into games. It's just, I don't think it will happen. They'll, they'll take it a little slow with him. So my guess is uh, he's still going to be there. 
Number eight for me is Kopech. Number nine is Christian Pache. I love Pache, the defense, everything else there. I like that we both included a, him. There's a yeah. case that could be made that, because we're talking real life, we yep. can push a guy like this up to five because of how elite he is defensively. Plus, I think the running starts to catch up. Um, he's really, really young, and I think there's some instinctual baseball stuff that he just has to get, um, you know, his, his sea legs, so to speak. Sure, you know? sure. He just, he just kind of has to get settled um, and, and understand re- and how to read pitchers and all this sort of stuff and those little, um, you know, idiosyncrasies of, of, of the game that allow people to then – uh, make those reads and, and, and allow them to tap into that ability. I think it's come with him. Another guy that's just so advanced at such a high level, uh, so young, and, and you have to really appreciate that. Number 10, I have uh, Lou Bob, Louis, Louis Robert. Um, and then if you want me to just go through the other guys that just missed, I have sure. Kenzie Gore, Alec Baum. I think Alec Baum is going to come yeah, back. Yeah, there we go. I, yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm the only guy on him. I'm going to have him like one or two yeah, in my first player draft. Yeah, I won't have him like that crazy. high, but I'll, I'll probably have him four or five because I think you can get him for value. Yeah, um, I agree. And I think there's some people that may drop him down to like 10 because of some of the other performances. Yeah, and guys, you know, uh, Unnecessarily too. Yeah, and some of these guys like Alec Thomas and some of these other guys that have been like tremendous yes. in like short season. So um, there's a lot of guys to look for there. But And I, I considered some of those guys. I really did. I actually – really thought hard about maybe pushing Jordan Adams at the back of my top 20. Mm, okay. Um, I was thinking about I that think too. I was thinking like who from that guys, draft class is him interesting and, enough. Him and Thomas, I think can make a big jump. And I think if Isbell continues to do what he does, he makes a big jump because they have all around games and they can play like the middle, like, you know, we have two or three potential center fielders there, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a lot of, that's a lot of war value. A guy that can, can play center field in all three outfield positions, um, because if you can play center, you could probably play right, and you could certainly play left, right? Yep. So, anyway, um, if I go through the rest of my list, Brandon McKay, thirteen, Estevan Floreal, fourteen, uh, a guy that I consider for my top ten, Andres Jimenez at fifteen. I know that we love him over on Prospects Live. Uh, Trevor Larnock, uh, sixteen, Ooh. Gavin Gavin Lux, seventeen, Jonathan India, I had at uh, eighteen, and like I said, if uh, if I had the ability to include. Um, Kai had him probably like nine or 10, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I think I like that's, it. that's, yeah, that's my top 20, I guess. I, I gave you a little bit more just cause I, I had so many names that I felt like the guys that missed, I wanted to give some context plus guys that maybe I considered that others potentially wouldn't have like, you know, a bomb sure. or something like that, who was, you know, pretty close. Cause I feel like he's a guy I feel he doesn't have to rush him. Let's say he comes back, he mashes next year at full season. He has a really, really good full season year, touches two to three levels, gets up to double A. Um, there's a really good chance that that's a guy, if he's what we think he is with some hit tool and plus power, um, he could creep toward the back end of that top 10. I agree with that. I, I like your bomb pull there specifically because I, I thought about him and I started looking through the 2018 draft class and thinking who can make an acceleration quickly. I've always been a magical guy, so I had him on the peripheral, but I, I just I think he gets had a lot of trouble. Up, though. I think Madrigal is going to. You think he's going to be that quick? Yeah, I don't think I, I don't be think they're mess with them. I think I think they'll call him up just just because um, they'll have a couple other guys up, and they're going to call him up for a couple of months. I just okay, Mad- that's fair. Madrigal to me, like just it, it, the things that he has to work on, it's like power, and that's just going to come with rap. <laughs> yeah, like he's still going to be a positive can, player at the major league level. If you put him there, like right yeah, now. he's going to play ball defense, play. And, like, he's going to he run, he's going to play defense. Yeah. 
Exactly. He does all the things that like, you know, he needs to do. Um, yep. and he's going to have really professional at bats and, and yeah, I feel like he's so quick to the majors. I, he's I just boring. I just would, love boring. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me. I wouldn't shock me if he was up in like may. I mean, that seems crazy, but I, he's going to, if he's the gonna white fly. Dogs I think just, yeah, they could yeah. do it. They could do it. You know? Yep. It's no, just, where is he? That's a good point. Where is he? I'm going to put you on the spot here. I, I came up with one name off the top of my head and I think I'm a little biased in saying it, but in terms of guys that are maybe outside like the top 80 right now, do you think there's anyone who like can make a tweak or make an adjustment? I know there's, I, I have a few in mind, but is there anyone who you think can get to the future value project, like level that might be in consideration, you know, like on the peripheral, like we're looking at now, like is there anyone outside that top 80? Like for me, yeah, the one I was sure. thinking of just know. because, just because, Okay. Uh, people are starting to boost up. Sorry, his his value is Luis Patino because he's 18. He throws really hard. A couple pitches. Everyone seems to start to like him a lot. And I know it's a pitcher again, but a pitcher that young, if he goes up to Lake Elsinore, goes up to San Antonio next year, uh, hoping maybe at the end of the year, I think that that's probably a goal to some extent is to get the double A by the end of the year for him at 19 years old or whatever. That is that's pedigree. And if he keeps the strikeout rate up, it's hard for me to envision a scenario where he's not valued like a guy like. I don't want to say Forrest Whitley because Forrest Whitley has the body and some other things, but Patino's much shorter. He's only six foot. But he's going to be in that kind of window where you have a lot of the peripherals, you have a lot of the stuff, you have six the velocity. Um, yeah, exactly. That kind of window where maybe we're just waiting on it all to come together. But it could be right in that window. So Patino came to mind, and I think I had another guy in mind that I liked if some things fell his way. But is there anyone much more peripherally you think could make a jump, Ralph? Um, Sure. So... One guy that came to mind, but I don't know if he's going to be outside of my top 80. And that's Louis Garcia uh, okay, from the Nationals. Just, yeah. That's a guy that did really well, uh, Carolina League. He's 18. You know, he's super young. Um, he's a 2000 birthday. So he's going to be 19. Ooh. Oh, man. Bless you. <laughs> oh. Oh. He's allergic to Louis Garcia, apparently. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be 19 all next season. Um, so. He's a guy I think that could definitely make a jump into the top 10. And he's kind of got like the the right like hit tool, maybe sneaky power, a little bit of speed. He could put something together, have a great year. He's going to be probably repeating uh, high A as well. So once again, like I mentioned before, that gives you a little bit of a leg up. So um, and being so young, who knows what he could grow into in the next two years, right? In terms of body type, he's a guy that could jump up. Uh, I think one of another guy that's in the system who didn't do great uh, yes, you know, and tuna probably could be a guy, um, that has the opportunity to jump and, uh, make that. And I would say the other guy is, um, oh, 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 give me a second here. I got one in my head that I think, and again, I'm going to the pitching well here, but a guy that I know is tossed into that kind of top 40 window for a bit has gone down with injuries, came back this year. I didn't throw much at all. Nate Pearson is another one. I think that if he puts together an early, a really strong early half of 2019, he could shoot up. Because I think a lot of people already consider him one of these top 50 guys. It's just that you're you're holding back the injury. And that's what I, I like that Molden a lot, and it's kind of cheating in this respect. But this is kind of what we ran into with Juan Soto, where he was stuck between 15 and 40, I would say, on most lists. And everyone was like, I kind of want to put him top 10 because – he has the ability. We just haven't seen it because he's been injured. And then, of course, you get him up there, and he clearly should have been a top-five prospect the whole time. It's just the injuries bog people down, and I think that that is a, is a recipe for a guy to shoot into the top 15, so to speak, if they're in, like, the outside of 50 right now. So that's a that's a recipe that lines up very nicely with Nate Pearson. Who's this last guy you're thinking of, Ralph? 
I got a couple. So okay. we got to look at some international guys that could jump up like a Wander Franco, right? Yep. So Victor Victor Mesa, Ooh, good who's going to yeah, end up signing. Uh, Marco uh, Luciano, who signed with the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, and or Elvis Martinez, who I believe prospects live at the first video stateside of oh, or Elvis yeah, Martinez. Yeah, Check baby. our website, scroll down to the video section. And uh, you will see some video of or Elvis Martinez uh, playing some baseball. Another guy I want to throw out there who's kind of a hot name is uh, Malcolm Nunez. Oh, yeah. Cardinal. Cardinal. Big boy. He is a big boy. <laughs> but he's yeah. got a crazy hit tool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I know a little bit about him. Maybe, maybe those are some guys. I just named a few names um, you know, off of my, my rankings from this, this class. And there's, there's others, too. Um, like Noel V. Mar- Marte, somebody like that, Juan Guerrero with the Rockies. I mean, th- you know, there are some players that could potentially come off of that list and jump up. There's also a guy in the periphery, uh, Blue Jays pitcher, guy that signed last year out of Brazil, Eric Cardinho. Cardinho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. He's a really interesting guy who could make a big jump. Um, you know, small guy, big stuff, really interesting. I think we could see him, you know, really jump huge if he comes out and pushes in full season. So I agree with you there. Yep. There's some interesting names for you. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's what, the, what you got to highlight is like the youth side of things. Cause if you can convince people that a kid is performing well enough in such a low level that, that the future value of him could be insane with more growth. And if there's more projection on his body or anything, that's where I think you run into guys like you're saying Luciano, like Pardino and stuff like those are, those are guys that can make leaps and bounds. And I think that that's a, that's a fun way to look at kind of this top, 10 at least in being consideration for the top 10 we're obviously not saying these guys are going to be top 10 but i think that it's very there's a good chance we're gonna end up with another guy like wanda franco i think we get one each year where everyone's like yeah this is some guy this guy's unbelievable he signed internationally whatever unbelievable job finding him he's he's an absolute stud and then we we understand who he is and the next thing you know everyone's really interested in him so um that is gonna do it i think for our kind of little we'll call this who will be top 10 in a year mm. little segment here i enjoyed this i like that exercise a lot to close out the show Actually, you know what? Let's do some Rotoware first, Ralph. You want to do some Rotoware? Rotoware, that's right. Big shots to my man, Kenny Cashman. By the way, big love for doing the uh, Prospects Live logo. Um, go oh, check yeah. that out. All, all of this, our branding was done by Kenny. That's why it's top notch. Um, mm-hmm. Hit him up, man. He does some freelance work as well. So hit him up at Kenneth underscore Cashman. There you go, Kenny. Give you a plug for uh, your day job. But <laughs> also, you got to check out Rotoware, man. At Rotoware, at Rotoware Classic. Um, rotoware.com use our promo code Sagnoff to get 20% off all of the rotoware brand stuff not the rotoware classic the rotoware brand stuff you can use our promo code 20% off that's the really really high quality t-shirts all the fantasy slogans um my favorite i wear it all the time is the prospect stasher one that looks like a biker patch i i just think it's a good <laughs> I t-shirt love it. Yeah. yeah, so I wear that one all the time. I have my 80-grade shirt. I wear that a lot. I have my advanced um, statistics shirt on the other day. So I, I have all these Rotoware shirts, like, in rotation. So I'm pretty much always in Rotoware. I don't just talk it. I live it. Sagging off 20% off. What do you say? I say yes. <laughs> I mean, he's been doing so many strips recently that I think are, I mean, obviously just applies so well to stuff going on in any sport. From football, obviously, with that starting up to baseball, that – I, I just love it. He branded Prospects Live. He he came with some shirts for us on that, which I'm really interested. I still got to pick one of those up. And Kenny's the man. Kenny's the man. Always reach out. Always a good guy. Always willing to talk and, and help people out with their ventures because he's been unbelievably successful with his. So props to Rotoware as always. Sagnoff's our promo code, rotoware.com at rotoware 
on Twitter. Our last segment here is going to be a little of the uh, the Lidom draft, the Liga Dominicana Winter League of the Dominican Republic. I'm probably butchering all that, but I hope that kind of flowed made you sound like I knew what I'm talking about. But I don't really. Um, well, I want to go through, Ralph. Uh, this is going to be a little quicker. Um, another kind of just thought exercise, really, which I think this kind of the show's kind of turned into the thought exercise show. Um, with the Lidom draft, obviously five teams in this draft. They pick guys in succession. Um, is it six teams? Am I missing? Five or six? Eh, one or the other. Um, it's probably six. It probably even number. Yeah, those are probably playing each other. It's probably six. Um, so the first round goes Vidal Brujan, um, Alores Montero, Jason Rosario, Luis Garcia, who you were just talking about, and Julio Rodriguez. For those that don't know, Brujan, obviously, Rays, middle infielder. Um, Alores Montero is the third baseman in the Cardinals system. Jason Rosario is a Padres outfielder, so mainly center fielder. Luis Garcia, as Ralph mentioned, Nationals middle infielder. And Julio Rodriguez is a Cardinals catcher. That was the one through five to start off the um, draft itself. And I, the, the interesting thing with this draft, Ralph, is that you're constructing a team, you know? So I always find it very interesting how some of these teams are valuing players specifically. And the two that I come down on most interestingly here, uh, the first one is Jason Rosario because I've seen Jason Rosario a bit on Fort Wayne and I can't say I was ever in love with him, but the rationale I came to on why he was selected three overall was that he's a center fielder and he walks a lot. And if you're building a team, you probably want a keystone guy like that, center fielder, shortstop, maybe even this is probably why Julio Rodriguez went five, catcher. You want those guys solidified. And that's probably why Jason Rosario went three. But in terms of from a a winning perspective and an aggregate value perspective, I think that to some extent maybe Jason Rosario's defense and walk and kind of just general ability to get on base was a little bit overvalued compared to a guy who I think is a little bit more of an impact back in Esteri Ruiz, who I came around a little bit. I know I was very low on to start, wasn't really in love with, but the more and more I saw the Midwest League, the more I realized how advanced he was. And again, not really sure if the speed plays up at the end of the day, but... I, I was impressed with the bat and the multiple times I saw him. So, Asteri Ruiz went first of the second round, so he's uh, seventh overall, I believe. But uh, just those guys there, Ralph, um, would you mix any of them up? If you're a team, if you're building like an actual team, and I think it's a little bit interesting because it's not really a fantasy team and it's not really uh, a, a real-life value, future value rank. It's more like you want them for a team. Like, who would you kind of take one-on-one here? Would you go Bruhan or would you go another direction? I would go Bruhan. Louis Garcia, too. Yeah, I was thinking um, of him, too. Above Jason, for sure. Yeah, I would probably have um, Montero, three. Um, I'll take Ruiz. Yeah. Rosario. Yep. Um, Mateus. Uh, oh, Suli, I forgot to mention him. Yep. Suli. And there was somebody else that dropped here that I really liked this Jalen Ortiz there's somebody else here that dropped that I was a little shocked fellas oh Debbie Garcia now I don't know if they just stay away from pitching but Debbie Garcia fell really late in this and he's a guy that like I just love Debbie Garcia so Mm -hmm. you know maybe because he doesn't play every day he loses a little value I can understand it there um but I think that's a that's a pretty it's a pretty good grasp of probably how I'd go. I don't know if I necessarily, I don't know a ton about Julio Rodriguez. I know Thompson said, you know, he's a decent catcher, blocks the ball pretty well. Um, yeah. Rest of guy in the box and pull side pop, but not really all exciting. Lolo Sanchez was really exciting a year ago. He kind of fell off. Um, Jose Devers uh, was one of the guys that Marlins got in the, uh, in the, uh, the Stanton deal. He's uh, Raphael Devers uh, cousin. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's good defensively, can hit a little bit, but there's no pop there. Uh, Igwe, Igwe, Igwe Rosario um, is a middle infielder, San Diego Padres. He can hit a little bit. There's a little bit more power there. Um, I've heard some people like throw around some uh, like hit tool, you know, hit first, second base kind of comps, like guys with within that realm that have major league careers mm-hmm. as comps. Um, so he's kind of interesting. Another guy that might sneak into my first round, and I may even take him above Suli, though I know Suli has the big power. I think I might rather have like uh, Gene Carlos Encarnacion. I, I I know the swing is kind of long, but interesting. I, I just to, if I was a team, because I feel like Suli, you you lose at bats there. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Like he's like, gonna strike out 30 percent of the time. He's a guy like that scares the crap out of me. You know, like just scares the crap yeah. out of me because I feel like he's gonna come up in a big spot because he's gonna be your cleanup hitter. He's your first pick, and he strikes out that much. You know, um, yeah, because yeah, I think that he's in for a rude awakening once he gets up to you know some higher levels. I think he's really gonna get exposed. Yeah. I think he's a guy that can get eaten up. Uh, and tuna dropped a little bit. Uh, I thought he was was that was pretty good. I was surprised that uh, Resley Linares went was the first arm off the board, if I'm not mistaken. Tim Bay Rays, Tim Bay Rays, righty, or is he a lefty? I gotta I gotta check. <laughs> well, another one. I mean, right in that same fourth round that you're talking about, or uh, Resley was the end of the third, but Yasiel yeah, Antunia yeah. is another one who went to the Tigres de Lisi. He's an infielder. Um, I know Jason Padini yep. said that his offense um, took a step back a little bit as a ni- as a 19-year-old. So, I mean, not that big of a deal at this point. But he's like, I probably went a little later than I thought he was going to go. But, yeah, it does seem like pitching was faded a little bit. Maybe it's because it wasn't as deep. Um, another guy I actually, I actually saw a bit of, and I think could probably be a guy who pops up a little bit and throws some really good games, was, was Johan Duran of the uh, Minnesota Twins now after coming back from the Arizona Dimebacks and the Eduardo Escobar trade. I saw him pitch in... Uh, uh, Davenport, Iowa against the Quad Cities River Bandits for Cedar Rapids. Um, the Astros affiliate, he was pitching against them. And I thought he looked pretty good. He gets a lot of swinging strikes. He cruised through like four and two-thirds and then kind of collapsed in the fifth, third time through, which is going to be an issue, I think, for a lot of guys like that if they don't really have too good command of a, of a third pitch. He kind of ran. Um, he touched 97. He was 90 to 97. He had two variations on his fastball. And then he had a pitch that I considered a curveball that I know some people consider a slider. I thought it had a little too much depth for a slider personally. So I thought the lateral, uh, the vertical break of the pitch was more curveball based. So uh, it was kind of those pitches. Then he got into this third time through and didn't really have anything else. And I think guys squared him up. I think he gave up like a three run home run. But I, I, he looked pretty good. I think it's some of the more, probably one of the more polished times I saw in the Midwest League, aside from obviously some of the guys that have a much more pedigree. But uh, I enjoyed watching you on Duran. He went in the sixth round here. I think that's a heck of a steal for, um, I don't know, Aguias. A as I assume the name. So they have, in the first try. round, they have Luis Garcia. I'm not even going to try. I'll go with Guias. Um, Luis Garcia, they go in the first round, then they end up beyond Duran, I believe is their first pitcher in the sixth round. I think that that's probably one of the more interesting teams here. I mean, I will obviously keep some tabs on how these teams do um, and which teams kind of play the best, I guess, and maybe even who, which guys play the best. Because mm. this isn't, I, I, where do you think this is competition falls in terms of like a level, Ralph? Do you think this is above, say, Midwest League style? Do you think this is kind of like high competition or do you think it's a, like a, uh, an A-ball high blend? I think because a think lot of these guys are probably torn. pretty tired. Um, I'm going to say it's probably like be- between A-ball and like short season A. 
Okay, so you know, it may even have an element of short season A because you got a lot of those college guys that are coming off a long grind of a season, and then they're getting their first taste Mm -hmm. of the professional leagues. That um, a lot of these guys are coming off of their first full season. I also wanted to mention too, and and you're also going to get, you know, uh, bullpen type games, like almost like the AFL. So it has that component of it too that's very similar to like the lower levels, right? Where you may not get like full six innings out of some of these starters. I imagine they're going to be more on like yeah, pitch limits. Especially you have guys like like Debbie uh, Garcia, uh, Brian Abreu is another interesting arm. I just wanted to point a couple of these interesting arms out that I saw going a little bit later. Uh, Jorge Guzman, who is the I guess the big name in the Stanton return, he's down there. You know, yep. he throws a hundred uh, with a slider and 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 a fringy changeup. It's kind of interesting though. I know Jason likes him a lot as well. Uh, Jasleen De La Cruz, uh, Hunts Car Yona is going to be here as well. Um, ooh, uh, Louis Almanzar went really late in the 13th round um, to, I'm going to try it, to Estrellas Orientalis. There we go. I like, I like it, Ralph. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, I paused for dramatic effect as well. And then uh, Rosny Contreras went in the 14th round to Toros del Este. Ooh. <laughs> bulls, bulls of some, love, bulls of a stay, maybe. I know Estrellas is stars, right? So something stars. Ooh, we're putting we're know. putting words together here. We're putting things together, right? This is good. Yeah, we'll so have to figure out what guys there. Um, Leonardo Molina, who I think had some pedigree when he first signed, uh, is is Denny Reyes? Is Denny Reyes of uh, the Red Sox here too? I could have sworn I saw his name. I'm not hundred percent sure on that. I'll have to, I'll, I don't know. Can I do a quick search on that? I'm pretty sure I saw him. Ooh. I could have sworn. So, Toros, Toros del, uh, obviously I'm Googling the team names here. Toros del Este means the Bulls of the East. That sounds pretty pretty sick, actually. I like that. First overall pick, Vidal Brujan, to the Bulls oh, of the East. Starling Heredia oh. went in the, uh, the eighth round to the uh, Gigantes, uh, no the Gigantes del Kibao. Oh, I did not see that in there. I always kind of found him very entertaining. I never got a chance to see him when he was in uh, Great Lakes, but I, I love that. Yeah. Like I remember, uh, I think Jason Benini got some looks. Jeffrey Del Rosario, uh, God throws pretty mm. hard. Um, he was one of the guys that was released in the Brave scandal, ended up signing with the Royals. He's kind of interesting. Yeah. And, and uh, Denny Reyes uh, of the Red Sox, a guy who's had really good statistical seasons, I think, of late. I have to double check on what his numbers were this year. I thought he had a really good year, though. Um, he's kind of interesting. Yeah. So there's some interesting arms. I mean, a lot of these, uh, you know, these international guys that I, I feel like pitching wise, it, it takes them a year stateside to really break through with some, even if they sign for money, there aren't too many, mm-hmm. there aren't like too many, like Eric Pardinos. Like there aren't too many arms that like we know from the minute they sign. I feel like there's a lot of bats like that. Um, but not a lot of arms just because they're a little bit further off, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I, I yeah, and Denny Reyes did have a really good statistical year. Doesn't miss a lot of bats though. Um, yeah, that's that's what it was. I knew there was a knock on him. I just couldn't remember what it was. Um, I haven't seen him yet because he's been in a ball. So, uh, and I don't think he might have been in Lowell for a little bit last year. I might have caught a start. I'd have to go back and look at my notes. Um, that's one of those guys that just doesn't stick out. But he had a 1.97 mm-hmm. ERA across 155 innings across two levels of a, two levels of a ball. Yeah. It's big. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good numbers. You can't completely discard that. So 
I'm interested to see what he does I, too. I'm gonna be, there you go. Yeah. I'm going to be really interested in some of these guys. I think that this is going to be a nice little barometer for some some extended playing time, obviously, and guys like Suli, see if they loosen up. I'm, I'm interested. I don't know if they stream these games, Ralph. If they're, maybe they have the championship maybe. game streamed at some point, but I don't know. I'm going to keep an eye out, obviously. Well, and I want to mention, too, that like I this. feel like um, just as a team, and, I, and it's been great working with everybody over at Prospects Live with, with the two Jasons. That way we have Jason yep. uh, Panini. Fully on board, like, name we out do. there. Like scout. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's big. Um, I feel like we have such a better grasp of Instructs, what's going on there. Oh, with them, absolutely. We have a way better grasp yeah. of, like, the Dominican League. And then, of course, the Fall League. I feel like in the last, like, month, um, my understanding of, like, prospects and all these other guys has just, like, expanded so much just by having other people to lean on and having all this information at my disposal and the discussions that obviously we have in the background as well. So go and check out prospects yep. live. We're gonna have more information coming out. I got to finish my, uh, my Scottsdale right up, dude. I'm dragging my feet on that one. I'm like halfway through. <laughs> I've been dragging my feet on mine too. <laughs> finish yours. You were supposed to finish yours first. Or at least I already finished one. I know. <laughs> true. True. Well, Very good point. <laughs> I think that's a good place to wrap up Lance. What do you say? I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I think we got through a lot here, a little bit more of an improv show here, but um, this was a fun one. And to everybody who always joins us every week, or if you're a first-time listener, we've enjoyed it. And we hope you come back. Prospectslive.com. Obviously, check them out. Check, or guess, us out to some extent. <laughs> us is them. And uh, otherwise, I mean, take care. Enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah.